The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Another gorgeous day here in Southern California. Now, this is a show that's targeted to entrepreneurs, early-stage businesses, startups, SMEs, the people that have the power in their hands to change the economic fortunes, not only in this country, in the U.S., but the world. You know, these these are the people that are going to kickstart 21st century jobs, not the 20, 20th century jobs that are gone. We need a dramatic re-education program in this country and uh, those of you who are sitting back looking for a great number of these unemployed from 20th century jobs to be re-employed that is not going to happen without a major re-education program now in this program it's it's our intention to inform small business owners and and anybody that's in business how they can take advantage of the opportunities that are out there and how they can avoid making the same mistakes that many of us, like me, have made in the past in our startup businesses. There's nothing more rewarding or invigorating than becoming an entrepreneur, controlling your own destiny. You know, I wouldn't go back to working for anybody. I only did it for a brief period and then for a couple of multi-billionaires, which was a little bit different than your average job, I guess. But um, I wouldn't go back to that life for anything. So um, let me begin by asking you a question. What have you been doing all day today? What you should have been doing, it's Tuesday, is tweeting and updating your company's Facebook page. According to a new report from Yes Mail, Tuesday is the best day of the week for engagement on Twitter and Facebook. Unfortunately, most brands that they studied, which was all the major brands, tweeted and updated their Facebook pages, one, during the day, and secondly, on days when engagement among followers was at its lowest. Now, are you making the same mistake? I must admit, I hadn't given it much thought. I thought um, I'd assume that pretty much every day was the same until I saw this report. Now, YesMail is a company that makes email marketing software, and they tracked and analysed the Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and email campaigns of the leading retail brands through the first quarter of this year. The study examined the tweets, the Facebook updates, 
the YouTube videos, and compared the days and times when brands are most frequently using these platforms against engagement rates of consumers. Now, engagement rates, that refers to Facebook likes and comments. Um, it refers to the retweets on Twitter and the views, comments, and likes and dislikes on YouTube. The study emphasises that it's important for companies to, t- to test the success of the times and days on which they communicate on, so- on social media. And you will see the most engagement from tweets, Facebook updates on Tuesdays. Meanwhile, YouTube videos get the most views, comments and likes and dislikes on Mondays. So what this tells you is that marketers should pay attention to what their competitors are doing on these channels and also what consumers want from these campaigns and when. So although Facebook updates get the most engagement on Tuesdays, most content is posted on Fridays. As a result of that, there's this huge deluge of updates on Friday creating messaging madness where too much happens on a Friday and the information doesn't get absorbed. Now, updates between 10 p.m. and midnight were the goldmine. And they assume that it's because many of these brands are popular with college students who are often awake and online during these hours. Well, I think it applies to a lot of us. I think there's a lot of us online between 10 o'clock and midnight. And uh, for the most part, most people lodging tweets and information on Facebook were not taking advantage of this time slot. Now, the most common time to update Facebook, and this is understandable, is during the day. So most people are at work, that's when they um, um, are awake and they're working and they update their Facebook. And um, it's the wrong time. You would get a much better result if you did it between 10 p.m. and midnight. The most effective brands and the ones that got the most engagement from um, those who are online posted Facebook updates around 30 times a month. So one a day, effectively. And the most engaging content had pictures and videos. I guess there's no real surprise in that. On Tuesday, the day when most there was most retweets on Twitter, yet 20% of tweets are sent on Fridays, which is the least engaging day of the week. So most people are sending tweets on Fridays, but it's the least engaging time of the week. And, you know, the tweeting during regular working hours is not as effective because the most engaging time for tweets is become between 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. in the morning. Now, I'm not sure who the hell gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning, but obviously a lot of people do because that's the most engaging time for tweets. And the most engaging brands tweeted between 50 and 70 times a month. So you're looking at two tweets a day on um, on Twitter and one update on Facebook a day. Now, posting a video to YouTube on Monday still garners, well, does garner the most engagement. 
So Mondays are the day for YouTube. Similar to Facebook and Twitter, most videos are uploaded by people on Thursdays and Fridays, which are the worst days. So, and very few are uploaded on Saturday, even though the study shows that very strong engagement happens on Saturday. So Monday and Saturdays are your go, where most people are doing it on Thursdays and Fridays. As for the time of day for YouTube, 70% of YouTube videos are uploaded during the day, and yet the most engagement is between midnight and 3 a.m. So you lodge it during the day, and you're missing a lot of that engagement because a lot of people are, are lodging at that time. And also, also a key uh, finding from the study is that YouTube, the length of the video is critical. 33% of the top performing YouTube videos are less than 30 seconds long. And another 30 odd percent ran between 60 and 90. So over two thirds of the effective videos are less than 90 seconds. And very few ran over 90 seconds. So your key, your key length is um, 20 to um, 60 seconds. So before you go on to tweet or go to Facebook or YouTube, do your homework. It can make a huge difference to the result of your campaign. So that's just a few tips that I didn't know, and I hope that's of some help to you. Now, over the past couple of months, we've spoken often about crowdfunding and the great boost we believe it'll give entrepreneurs and um, everybody who's in a startup and early stage business. Last week, regulators in the US said some entrepreneurs are becoming so anxious to sell securities in their companies through crowdfunding that they're courting investors before federal rules allow this process to be in place. So if, if you've missed our previous shows, crowdfunding is a capital-raising strategy in which investors buy small stakes in ventures through various websites. The Jobs Act, which was signed into law in April, allows small businesses to sell securities through the sites subject you know, to certain um, procedures. This advisory also addresses other issues for small business to keep in mind, such as their responsibility to disclose certain information about their ventures to investors before getting involved in crowdfunding. And if you're a potential investor, while the Jobs Act provides a new approach for funding, launching a small business is still a pretty risky business, with about half failing within the first three years and 97% failing within 10 years. So if you're an investor, you need to um, look hard at what you do. Now, this show's all about entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs, and it's hard to beat the extraordinary story of Alberto Perez. Alberto started out as a street performer and then an aerobics teacher in Colombia, and he made extra cash teaching the wives of businessmen how to dance in nightclubs in his hometown of Kelly. In 1999, Perez packed up and headed to Miami, he spoke no English, but he hoped to make a breakthrough in the you know, Latin US city with his new dance exercise class. Now, he really struggled 
before eventually building up a large adoring fan base of mostly Colombian expats, women, of course. He founded Zumba Exercise Craze, which I'm sure you saw on television a million times. Now, Zumba's this Latin dance-inspired aerobic workout, and it's exploded from a Miami gym phenomenon to an infomercial and a DVD smash hit with over 12 million people taking classes every week in 125 countries. So Zumba's now the largest branded fitness program in the world. It started on a shoestring budget in Miami 11 years ago and now is worth over $500 million. The firm's top priority is reaching 100 million people in the next five years. Wow, that's an incredible growth, isn't it? Um, so Zumba, from a guy who was a uh, an instructor and trying to earn money in the street, has now got a company worth $500 million. Now, they're developing TV shows. They're pushing into global markets, particularly Eastern Europe and Asia. And they're staging now fitness concerts. They've turned live concerts into a fitness experience where concert goers, it's just like being at a rock concert. It is unbelievable. A concert in Orlando, Florida recently drew tens of thousands of people. Wow. Now, that's a real entrepreneur. I love it. As we get closer to the one billion people with smartphones, social media is becoming more and more important. Now, Wildfire reports that over 75% of marketers plan to increase their social media spend next year. So if you're already in the space, and most people are, the accelerating growth of social media should encourage you to review your social media spend because it will get away from you if you don't keep up. And of course, if you're out there and you're not using social media, you've got to remember what happened to those dinosaurs because you're going to be next. Now, to complete this first segment tonight, I wanted to tell you what I think is a fantastic customer service story. A man and his young teenage boy checked into a hotel and were shown to their room. The two receptionists noted that the kids were really quiet, uh, the people were really quiet, and the kids seemed a little distressed. Later, the man and the boy came down to breakfast, uh, to dinner. And uh, again, the staff noticed that throughout the whole of the dinner, the, they were both very quiet and the kids seemed upset. Now, after dinner, the boy went to his room and the man went to reception and asked to see the manager. Now, the receptionist initially said, you know, is there something wrong with the food? Is there something wrong with your room? Can I help you? But um, the man insisted on seeing the manager. So when the manager arrived, the man asked if he could have a quiet chat with him on the side privately. Now, the man told the manager that he was spending the night in the hotel with his 14-year-old son who was terminally ill. The boy was about to undergo therapy, and as we know, with, um, with cancer, your hair falls out. 
So they'd come to the hotel to be together. And because the boy that night was going to shave his head and he was going to shave his father's head in support of his son. So he asked the staff if they would, in the morning when they came down for breakfast, if they would, um, you know, not pay attention to their shaved heads. They didn't want to create any sort of a fuss, just be treat them normally. So the manager said, sure, I'll talk to the staff and you can rest assured that when you come down in the morning, we'll treat both of you appropriately. So the following morning, father and son, both um, proudly with their new shaved heads, came down to the restaurant for breakfast. When they walked into the breakfast room, they saw the four male restaurant staff all going about their duties, all with shaved heads. I think that is an unbelievable story, and that's incredible customer service. We should all care that much about our customers. So I hope you go to my website, bobpritchard.com, Enroll for my July newsletter, which is out this week. And uh, don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Contact me in any way that takes your fancy, but just don't ignore me. And if you want to book me for a conference for your presentation, I'd love to go there. Drop me an email. I'll fire up your team and get great results for you. Now, I'm Bob Pritchard. I'll be back in just a moment with my only guest for today, Jessica Kizarek, who is one hell of a lady, a great businesswoman and a person who really gives back to special causes. She's committed to helping women entrepreneurs, which is also a passion of mine. So we have a great interview for you in a couple of minutes. She'll be on immediately after the break. So if you hurry, you'll just about have time to go to the bathroom before she starts. I'll see you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment where we talk to people who really make a difference in our society and make a difference to business. And we find out just what it is that makes them tick. Now, as you know, if you've listened to this program, I've got a penchant for ballsy women. Women who push the boundaries <laughs> to make sure that women get recognised. Mm. Women get acknowledged and get the opportunity to break through, which is in what is still, unfortunately, a man's world still. Now, we, we've spoken to handicapped entrepreneur Janice Loveland, who wrote Looking Down at the Glass Ceiling some 20 years ago. We spoke to the wonderful Dana Steele, the first lady of rock radio, who's a very successful woman. And today's guest is the same calibre. Jessica is the CEO of the company Badass Business Women. I love that name, Badass Business Women. Sounds great. (laughs) We'll talk more about Badass, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. This dynamo has authored six books, been profiled on CNN's Young People at Rock. She takes on the most daunting challenges and always wins. With a father, Bill, she's made an extraordinary contribution in 62 countries to NGOs such as the Special Olympics, Lions Club, One Laptop Per Child, and many more. And she just told me a couple of minutes ago that she was um, grew up on an Indian reservation, and she's sitting out there in the middle of northern Wisconsin as we speak. Now, I wish I had time to list all of Jessica's achievements. But <laughs> her purpose is to incite entrepreneurial women to take life by the horns, embrace their inner badass, and kick the hell out of this world. I added that last bit. They were my words, not Hello. hers. Jessica, <laughs> welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, thank you, Bob, for having me. So, so how are you? Oh, I'm great, and I loved your intro. And there's one piece that I would just love to jump right in and address because you, you know, you, you listed off all my accomplishments, and then you followed it with, "and she's always successful." And and that, in fact, is not true. I think more than more than most people I know, I'm willing to fail. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I just went through this big. I um, gave a speech about eight months ago. And the speech was about going all in, like taking the biggest risk you could. And yep. and I had saved up last year a hundred thousand dollars to that I had in like cash reserves for my business. Yeah. And I decided to take that entire amount and invest it in in my business. And there was a, a bunch of things that I thought were going to happen as a result. And the things that I thought were going to happen, and this is sort of like this upward trajectory that I was headed on, it just like all of a sudden collapsed within me, and I misjudged a couple things, and it's like I have gone straight down ever since then, and it's like that hundred thousand dollars just boom disappeared, yeah. And now it's now it's like I'm I'm having to reorientate myself, and and I think one of the things that makes a woman a badass in business is her willingness to take risks, and then. And then, and then deal with either her success or her failure. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I think we grow through our through our failures, don't we? We don't really learn much from successes because we sort of take them for granted. But when we uh, fall on our ass, we um, we learn lessons pretty quickly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you do, and you have to you have to really evaluate what's working and what's not working, and be ruthless about cutting things out and reevaluating. And and I'm actually in the middle of this video series right now about simplification. Yeah. And, 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 and strategically simplifying your tasks and your goals and your activities and your relationships to focus on what's going to make you the most money because that's why we're in business. We want to sure. be business if, if we were not to make money. Yeah, that's right. Now, so how did um, badassbusinesswomen.org come about? How did, what started that? I looked at the the women around me and the challenges that we were facing, and, and I think it's interesting because most of the role models that we have in business as women are women who have already made it. You know, they've yeah. been super successful, and they're millionaires times 20, and we all look up to them because they're going to teach us something about having been a success. Right. And what I decided to do was I decided to, it was, it's almost like I'm fighting on the front lines to build a business and, and do all this stuff. And I thought, why not just start being public about the challenges that I faced and, and start attracting other women that were, that were wanted to grow and that were thirsty and that were hungry and that, and that wanted a, a, a place to sort of be validated for all the things that they were doing to make their business work. Yeah. Of course, it's not only just—it's not only just women, is it? I think we all—I mean, I, on this program, I don't interview people like Jack Welsh and people like that, despite the success they've been. You read one of their books, and I'm not sure that it's much help to the little guy who's out there trying to build a business. I mean, if you're running GE, sure, all those things are great, but if you're a small guy trying to work out what to do next and trying to push the boundaries and and raise enough money to keep afloat. A lot of it just simply doesn't apply, does it? You need real um, role models, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And I think that the energy of <clears throat> being willing to put it all in and and being willing to, to talk about not only – because in business, it's like failure is so discouraged, I, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's like we're supposed – we can talk about our successes, but when we're struggling, we have to keep that really quiet. Um, and so nobody knows that we're not as successful as we think we should be. And, and I think all of that's really amusing. Um, that's and I like, think that... Isn't it, like, isn't it like that in everything? I mean, when was the last time you went and saw somebody give a speech saying, hey, my great claim to fame is I came last in the Olympics? I mean, <laughs> you don't hear it too often, do you? <laughs> well, even in sports, I think that we, while we celebrate the victors, we also celebrate the fight. And yeah. we celebrate both parties going at it head to head, giving it their heart, giving it their all. And then we see the, you know, I, I'm from Miami, so we just saw the Miami Heat win the championships, and we saw Oklahoma lose, and we saw the tears in their eyes, and we admired them for their battle. And then we celebrated because we're, you know, we've got the winning team. Sure. And and I love I love how badass business women has really been. Um, I've taken my own advice because one of the things I teach uh, women, and, and plus my, I have uh, about 10% of my readership is men, and I love the men who read my blog because they're so encouraging, and a lot of them, one of them, um, 
sent me an email one time and said, the reason that I love your blog so much is because my mother was a single mother and she raised three kids and she fought tooth and nail inside of her own business to make it successful enough to take care of each one of us and put us through school. And that fight, and, 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 and that makes me want to support all of your women out there that you're supporting. So let me know what I can do to help you. That's great. That, on this program, we're always encouraging entrepreneurs, whether you're starting a tech company, whether you're opening a local dry cleaner, it doesn't matter. What percentage mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs these days are women? Is it increasing dramatically? It is increasing. I don't know the exact statistics, but one of the statistics that I think is really interesting is, did you know that 90% of women-owned businesses um, make less than $50,000 a year? Wow. Wow. Is that because they're the wrong businesses, or is it because – what's the reason for that? Because women often start businesses, and I think there's an interesting dynamic, too. When you look at socially how men are bred versus how women are bred, the women have only been in the workforce for the last 50 years. So there's, while men have been in the workforce for thousands of years, so there's something that's bred in them socially. I mean, it's almost in men's veins to compete, to ask for what they want, to go out there, to be have thicker skin, to be more of a warrior when it comes to fighting for what they want in in business. Yeah, and, a lot of a lot of that. Of, a lot of that, of course, is called misguided ego. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes, 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 and and just like willingness to run their head into a wall, right? Yeah. And I think women are a little bit, they're more cautious, that we're bred to be protectors. Like we protect each other, we protect our children, we protect. So we're more about holding the status quo. And women oftentimes go into business thinking, okay, I don't want a job, but I just want a small business so it doesn't get too out of control. So I can, you know, have a small business where I don't need employees and all that overhead and all that stuff. And then they get tied into when you've got a business that's making less than $50,000 a year, how much are you taking home personally? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's one of the things I want to do too, Bob, is, in, is encourage women when they're going out to be entrepreneurs or th- even thinking about being an entrepreneur. You've got to think about how are you going to get a business that's going to make six figures yeah. immediately, you know, right, like right away. I saw – Two figures came to me today. Um, I was watching CNN. One is that there's only about 10% of women on American boards. And the other thing that I saw was interesting that only 21% of all business stories on television have anything to do with women. So that's pretty, that's pretty poor, isn't it? 21% when you make up 51% of the population and, um, and are out there pushing the boundaries these days. Why do you think that the media well, corporate boards and the media both um, ignore, not ignore is not probably the right word, but but both um, don't give women entrepreneurs and women in business more um, more coverage and more credence. I think it's because men are better at promoting themselves. Quite simply, they're better at promoting themselves. They're better at listing off their accomplishments. They're better at sort of like puffing out their chest and being attractive to media is one is one reason. 
Um, and, and then also there are less success stories when it comes to women, um, particularly inside of their earnings, because businesses are often judged based on their earnings. And it's like, oh, well, if you have an IPO and make, you know, $100 million, then that's newsworthy. But if you manage to get your business from $49,000 a year <laughs> to seven, $79,000 a year, that's not very newsworthy. Yeah, fair enough. And so there's a, there's, there's a, there's, there's a tendency to, um, um, to, to, to feature these big, these big financial successes and people that are willing to promote themselves really heavily in the media. So that comes down to building your personal brand, right? Which is my specialty and my favorite conversation. Oh, good. <laughs> Go for it. Well, I, in fact, I'm so passionate about, about personal branding and, and, and teaching people how to turn themselves into a brand yeah. Uh, that I recently founded. I don't even know if you know about this, but I recently founded the Personal Branding Institute. No, I didn't know. Yeah, with with one of my partners, um, Michelle Villalobos, and she and I have created curriculum. We have a monthly program that's you know forty seven dollars a month. People get phone calls. They really get engaged in this in this community. And then we have also graduate work. We have a program. Oh, you're going to love this in your readers your listeners we have a program that we created called make them beg and if you go to make makethembeg.com you can sign up for a free video series that we give but the the theory and the philosophy behind make them beg is when you become a character when you become a personality and you and you um and you start expressing yourself and being vocal and having something to say and having something different, like being different from everyone else that's out there, when you when sure. you take the time to create that character, which I'm sure you've done, um, to attain the level of success that you've had, you start magnetizing people and drawing them into you. So rather than being out there and begging, begging, begging for business, you reverse the entire cycle and you have people start begging for you. Yeah, that's, that, that's critical when you're in sales or when you're you know, if you're a small business and you're out there looking for money, it's really critical to change that frame from they're the people in control to you're the person in control. And that's that's the very first thing people should do when they go into a meeting. And it's something that people are very, very poor at. Um, so what's the first step when you want to build your personal brand? Mm, uh, the first step is, is introspection. <clears throat> which is hard for a lot of people because they, they don't want to take the time. I, I give this example in one of my recent videos is like the, the arrow that flies straight. Well, the, in order to get an arrow that flies straight through the air and with like piercing clarity and insight and trajectory, like the arrow knows where it's going, you yep. have to pull back the bow. Right. And people are, business owners particularly, are so caught up in the day-to-day dramas and, you know, the, the fighting to keep your head above water that they rarely invest in, in thinking about what makes them different. You've got to really think about what makes you different from everybody else out there. Uh, and that would be pro- probably my number one thing is stepping back to think about what makes you different from all of your competitors. And then, and then also what niche, what target audience do you want to attract? When I started Badass Business Women, I knew 
that I wanted to be surrounded by women who were vocal, who were edgy, who were ambitious, who were proud of themselves. And so I built an entire brand, an entire personality and character around wanting to serve that niche. Yeah. So is your personal brand reality or is it a, a Howard Stern who's some there's something totally different on camera than he is off? In the, in the age of social media, I think authenticity and transparency is really important. So who you're being, whatever character that is, it has to be aligned with who you are naturally as a human being. Because yeah. otherwise people smell it. They're like, who is this person that's trying to pretend that there's someone different? This doesn't make sense. And, and it's very subliminal and subconscious. But as human, humans, evolutionarily speaking, we're biologically programmed to sniff out suspicious situations. Yeah, and if, and they, so, if you're giving a speech well, for an hour and they sniff you out in the first three minutes, the next 57 well, minutes are pretty miserable, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's miserable for, for everybody. Yeah, so right. On one, on one hand, it's real. But on the other hand, it's very carefully crafted. Because my, my persona, um, the people call me the chief. I'm the chief badass. Right. And I'll tell you what, I, I've spent years and years creating that character. Right. Years and years thinking about what I have to say, who I want to say it to, how do I want them, what emotions do I want to evoke in them? Who do I have to be to bring out the best in others? Now, one of the things that I love about reading your profile is how you've balanced your life between enterprises for profit and sharing oh, yeah. your the enormous amount of time and your own money with fantastic causes. You call it people helping people. Why is that so important to you? What gives you that drive? Mm. I just really love, I really love telling stories. I'm a, I'm a storyteller by nature. I think that's probably, if, you were, if I were to, Boil it down to one thing that I love doing. It's storytelling. And most, I tell stories through writing. Most through all women are good at telling stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's, a, that's also a, a skill to be developed. And so what, what I saw, what I saw was that there are, I have this talent to tell stories and particularly over video. We have an extensive skill set, 13 years of, of telling stories through video. And, and I looked at how could I give back. And it's it's not like I'm in a position to write checks for a quarter million dollars to nonprofits, which I would love to do. I would love to just be able to give, give, give. And and I and what I've done instead is I've given of my time. And so yeah. we we we've traded in frequent flyer miles and dad, especially the the two of us, it's a, a shared family mission. We donate our time to these nonprofit organizations. We donate all the pre-production, the production. We fly anywhere in the world for them. We donate all the on-site expenses, basically everything it takes to shoot the videos. And then they they pay um, extremely reduced rates just for the editing process so we know they're invested. But yeah. for us, we, we work with about five nonprofits every year to help them capture their story on video because we believe that... The world is a better place when nonprofits thrive. Yes, I agree. And we be- we believe that video, digital video, is by far the most 
um, emotionally compelling medium. Yep. And the nonprofits that have amazing videos are able to raise funds, they're able to raise support, they're able to get people on board, show them the real story, and it's just incredible. Like one of our nonprofits, we um, they spent fifteen thousand dollars on the on the on the editing costs just to edit their film. We did all the donation, yeah. And they scheduled they scheduled a fundraiser around the release of the video. In one night, they made two hundred and fifty one thousand dollars. Wow, that's fantastic. And it was just like, oh, that's what we're in this for. Yeah. Well, I think that's sensational. You, you might describe yourself as a badass, but I reckon you are a really good ass. It's been a privilege to talk to you. I've enjoyed it. If there's mm. anything I can do to help you along the way with any of the things that you're doing, please, you know, drop me an email and let me know. Now, if oh, I'd love it. Great. If you're listening to this program and you want to learn more about Jessica, go to www. Badassbusinesswomen.org and don't forget makethembeg.com. The first thing I do when I get off um, this call is to look that up, makethembeg.com. And I'll be back Mm -hmm. with a segment where I answer some emails in just a couple of minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I think that was a great interview with Jessica. I loved it. And I just got a text message from my better half saying that um, I shouldn't have finished the last, the, seg- the first segment with um, you've got time to go to the bathroom, that I should have said something like, why don't you go and make yourself a cup of coffee and relax? So what I'd like you to do is um, send me an email and tell me whether during that break you went to the bathroom or whether you made yourself a cup of coffee. Now, these days, <laughs> it's critical that every business, irrespective of what you do, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you have 50 employees or a one-man band, it doesn't matter, You've got to be using social media. Earlier in the program, we discussed 
Twitter and Facebook. So I just wanted to say a few words about my favorite, which is LinkedIn. I'm constantly using LinkedIn. It used to be said that there were five degrees of separation. That means within five contacts, you can reach anyone in the world. Um, today, with the sensational uh, social media tools that are available, I reckon it's more like two degrees of separation. You know, I've used it um, frequently to contact some amazing people that you would never, ever think you could get to, and uh, it works really well. So I just want to talk about five things that you should be doing on LinkedIn in order to utilize it properly. Now, LinkedIn and, and the network, they've got over 170 million professionals listed on there, and you can get access to all of them. And so it can be one of your strongest tools when it comes to marketing and business in general. But like me, I guess, a vast number of people are not taking full advantage of what it offers. They're signing up, filling out part of their profile, and I must admit I'm guilty of that, adding a few connections, and then just doing it periodically. So if that's the extent of your involvement with LinkedIn, it's not going to take you very far. It's just like everything else in social media. It takes continuous effort if you want to get results. Now, I'm not talking about going crazy and becoming a LinkedIn power user and contacting every single person. And, um, you know, I'm very selective about who I have on my, um, on my LinkedIn friends. I'm simply suggesting that you take a few minutes each day just to work on making the most of this wonderful network tool. So to get you started... Here's five simple things that I think you should be doing right now on LinkedIn. Firstly, you should make sure that your profile is 100% complete, and I'm going to do that when I come off air. You know, your profile's only as good as you make it. Now, according to LinkedIn, in order to reach 100% completeness, you should add all of the following to your profile. Industry and postcode, current position and description, two previous positions that you've occupied, your education and qualifications, list at least five skills that you're proficient at, include your photo, generate at least 50 connections, and include a powerful summary. Additionally, you know, you've got to make sure you're using the right keywords in the right places when writing your summary, work experiences, skills, all of that stuff. And it really matters to search engines and other users. Secondly, you should join LinkedIn groups that fit with what you do, and you should participate. Now, getting involved with groups on LinkedIn is one of the best ways to connect with people and professionals who share similar interests and enable you to generate more leads. There are groups of all sorts for pretty much every industry you can think of. And the main reason you want to be participating, it enables you to position yourself in an expert as an expert in whatever the hell it is that you do. I think that I participate in about 30 different industry groups, and the feedback's amazing. And you get to learn about a whole bunch of stuff you didn't know, things that are taking place in your industry, initiatives, events, all sorts of stuff. And you can interact with people that you would never normally interact with. Now, the third thing you've got to do is fully utilise the benefits of LinkedIn is to answer questions related to your industry. So 
participate in the answers section of LinkedIn. You know, a lot of people don't even know that it exists, but take a few minutes every now and then and see what others are asking regarding your industry and jump in with an interesting and intelligent answer. Do this enough times and it'll get your profile noticed. You know, job recruiters are always looking in there in, in various fields. And if that's what you're looking for, it's a great way to get noticed. The fourth step is to ask for and give recommendations. You know, recommendations and referrals. We we're just talking about this last night with a client. The recommendations and referral are the lifeblood of business. You know, 92% of people trust what their friends, family and co-workers and people like that say. But only 15% of people trust what corporations or the media say. So you need to get recommendations, you know, third-party endorsement saying that you're terrific. And it's really easy to leave a recommendation on LinkedIn for somebody else and do it without being asked. They'll remember you for it and they are most likely to post a recommendation for you. So start leaving them and you'll see people start returning them. If you left one recommendation a day every day for 30 days, I reckon you get 10 to 15 recommendations for you within a month. Now, the fifth key is to use the LinkedIn Events app, which helps you discover all the events you should attend to become a better professional. You can see personalised event recommendations based on your industry and the connections to those events. You can search events in your location or your area or your industry, and then you can make the right connections. You know, there's a if you browse attendees you may want to meet, so that's attendees you may want to meet, or filtering the attendee list by current company or industry, it's amazing the contacts you can make. So... As a business professional, you're probably going to events on a regular basis anyway, so take advantage of this technology and make the most of every event you go to. I've, you know, personally, I've discovered a heap of great events that I never, ever would have known about if it weren't for this app. So that's it. It's pretty simple, really. I, you know, I hope these tips will help you to make the most of LinkedIn and start right now. If you're already doing these suggestions, that's fantastic. If you didn't get a chance to write them down, you can go to Voice America Business Archives where you can re-listen to this show or any of the other shows that we've broadcast or, in fact, have been broadcast on the station. So there's been some fantastic interviews and there's a hell of a lot of really good programs. In fact, um, I'm going to put my interviews, the interviews that I've done, um, on CDs and uh, so that people can listen to the most sensational people on the planet. So that's important. And I'll let you know when those CDs are completed. Now, my first email today um, comes from Alan Jackson from Atlanta. And Alan writes, Dear Bob, I'm doing a summer internship and I hate it. Now, that's pretty common. We hear that a lot. <laughs> I find that everybody treats me as a servant. They give me mundane things to do. And I'm not even sure now that I even want to stay in this profession. What should I do? Well, have a drink first. That'd be the first thing. Uh, thanks for your email, though. We hear the same story over and over again. So what do you do when your internship really sucks? Suddenly, your dream job's put on hold. You think, 
God, do I really want to do this? Maybe this is not the right profession for me. So, Alan, I've got three tips that might help you turn this lousy experience into a life lesson. Whether you love your internship or hate it, remember your future employer will most likely ask you about your experiences in the internships you've done. This makes it the perfect opportunity for you to take the initiative. Don't forget, it's your life. So sit down with the boss and tell him exactly how you feel and tell him your personal goals and objectives and what we can do to achieve those. Now, you might get the brush off, but more than likely, they will listen to you and improve your lot. Now, you need to do some good work. Put in a portfolio. Ask people you trust for recommendations on LinkedIn. You know, if you can get media coverage for something, that's great. You need to be able to walk away from this lousy internship experience you're having, knowing that while it wasn't exactly what you expected, you learnt from it and you've learnt what you do want and what you don't want in your career. Alan, this, this may seem a bit obvious, but in reality, you know, that teacher you had way back in kindergarten was preparing you for this, even at that very young age. And no matter how much you disagree with your bosses, <laughs> I've done it quite frequently, or other interns or other employees, it's critical that you stay professional at all times. And whatever you do, stay right away from office politics. They didn't employ you to criticise co-workers. They didn't employ you to get involved in all that stuff. Bosses notice. So in most of these discussions, you know, emotions flare and then you go and say stuff that you either didn't mean or even if you did mean it, it would have been better if you hadn't have said it. You also need to realise that if you're an intern, the real business world can look a lot different than the business world that you've been looking at in college. You can find yourself looking foolish and this can hurt your chances of getting a great reference and can have an impact on your future employment. And also remember that any experience is better than no experience at all. Just because you're not working with a CEO at Google or helping to invent the you know next eye gadget at Apple doesn't mean you can't gain valuable experience in your current intern role. Now, even though it sucks, what you learn will help you in future roles that you're going to undertake. So you need to think of every experience as a stepping stone in a long-term career. So even if the tasks are pretty mundane, you still gain experience working with different people. You've learned about different management styles. Now, whether you agree with them or not, it doesn't matter. You um, you do get to learn a lot. So you mightn't realise it now, but this lousy experience is preparing you for future opportunities. It's creating a career path best suited for you. Now, you can learn from even a lousy internship and leave feeling happy and hopeful. You can't let one bad experience spoil years of creating a great career and a fabulous future. So it's up to you. Get in there. Talk to the boss. You can make a difference. But if you just sit back meek and mild, no one will listen to you. 
Alan, thanks for your email. I hope that that encourages you a little bit. I'm sorry you got a lousy. Now you can look back, look forward to going back to college. Instead of <laughs> enjoying being in the work workforce, you can think about college. Now, we're going to send you out a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. It's my new book. Um, it's about 300 pages and 20-odd chapters of things that you can do to guarantee that you'll be successful in business. I guarantee that if you do these things, you will be successful. I'm not saying you'll make a million dollars or a billion dollars, but you will definitely not be one of the 98% that fail. And Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets is available at all major bookstores and at Amazon.com. Now, remember, the Bob Pritchard Show is here to help small businesses like yours succeed. And if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that I give you each week and that my um, guests give you each week, tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. The July newsletter has just been released. The feedback's terrific, so make sure you get yourself a copy. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I thought it was um, filled with great information. I love the interview with Jessica. And uh, I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. So until next time, have a fantastic and successful week. Go out, kick some butt. And now you can go and make yourself a cup of coffee. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.